He was malnourished, underweight, the main target of abuse, and was living with a broken arm. One night, he was beaten so badly, he was hospitalized and placed on life support. Did we mention he was only three years old at the time? Why would a three-year-old be a subject of vicious abuse, you might ask? Well, it's because his father feared he was gay. This is the tragic murder of Ronnie Bubba Paris. This is Lady Lily. And this is your astronaut, Millie Red. <laughs> astronaut. <laughs> your local you have, astronaut. You have never been in space. You have never been on a spaceship. You cannot prove that. Actually, I can't. Cannot? I can't. You cannot prove that I have never been to space, but <laughs> let me continue as I was rudely interrupted. This is your girl, Millie Red, and welcome back to the Criminority Report. The Criminority Report. Yeah. Listeners, she cannot prove that I've never been to space. I have receipts. She doesn't. But anyway, <laughs> um, as I was saying, <laughs> we are discussing cases impacting the LGBTQIA plus community. Tonight's case, though, is frankly a very heart wrenching case. Yeah, um, but it before. Is. Yeah, but before we get into this case, let's talk about some stats because we like stats. Yeah, numbers. So, numbers. So, did you know that less than 40% of LGBTQ young people have found their home to be LGBTQ affirming? Or that the majority of LGBTQ young people reported being verbally harassed at school because people thought they were LGBTQ? According to youth.gov, family acceptance, along with strong parent-child attachment, has been found to be critical in navigating stigma, isolation, and bullying. While there may be some families that are supportive and affirming, unfortunately, there are some families that behave in ways that have negative consequences and result in traumatizing the youth. Which brings us to Ronnie Par Paris. Yeah. Actually, those statistics does not surprise me at all. Yeah, they don't surprise me either. Ronnie Antonio Paris, a.k.a. Bubba, was born on December 9th, 2001, 
in Tampa, Florida, to Naishira and Ronnie Paris. In May 2002, when he was only five months old, he was removed from their care by the Florida Department of Children and Families due to concerns of him being undernourished and having a broken arm that they could not explain. Mm -hmm. So Bubba was placed in a a positive foster care environment, Mm -hmm. which surprisingly is kind of rare because we hear so so many horror stories when people are placed in foster homes Mm -hmm. that they're not normally a positive environment. They're more negative than positive. Mm -hmm. But in his case, he was placed in a positive foster care environment and under the care of Faye Bing, his foster mother, Bubba began to thrive again. It is also in foster care, his nickname Bubba was formed. What a cute nickname, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you see the picture of him, he is such a cute, cute, cute little boy, you know, three year old little boy. However, after two years of living with Faye, Bubba's parents completed their reunification plan. And on December 13th, 2004, four days after his third birthday, Bubba returned to his parents' home. It's unclear what the reunification plan was and what the parents did to have Bubba return home to them. But the fact remained the same. He was returned and placed back into their care. So now at this point, Bubba's three years old, healthy and um, living in a new environment with his biological parents. So remember, this is after living apart from his parents since he was five months old. Yeah. Yeah. So on January 22nd, 2005, six weeks after he reunited with his parents, Bubba and his parents attended a Bible study at the home of his parents' friends. At some point during the Bible study, Bubba fell asleep on the couch and his parents noticed he was not breathing. Yeah. Bubba was taken to the hospital where he was placed on life support because both sides of his brain were swollen and he could not breathe on his own. Yeah. Very unfortunate. Oh, very sad. Yeah. For a three-year-old. Yeah, for a three-year-old. And that's not going to happen naturally. No, it's not. I'm already getting angry. Yeah. Just by, you know, talking about it. Like, I'm just getting angry. Yeah. So Bubba died on January 28th, 2005, after he was removed from life support six days later. So I guess if you're wondering why he died so young. Yep. Why did he have to leave the world so soon? Well, let's start with the autopsy report. According to the Herald Tribune, the medical examiner's report said the boy died of trauma to the back of the head that was intentionally inflicted. Yeah. Intentionally inflicted. Intentionally. To so a that should tell you something. Mm-hmm. So that should already start to tell you something. Okay. He was um 
He was hit in the back of the head. Yeah. Like or really, shaken or, you know, something. You know, yeah. Something. Mm-hmm. Um, like trauma to the back of the head is and like severe trauma too. Right. Yeah. Enough to to swell the brain. Correct. And that when he goes to sleep, he goes he he goes to he slip into a coma while he's asleep. Enough yeah. for him to slip into a coma while he falls asleep. That shows that that's something's up. And also he had to have shown signs and symptoms before falling asleep. Probably lethargic, tired. Yeah. You know, um, there had to be some other signs. Mm -hmm. So when they interrogated the parents, it was his mother, Nishira, who spilled the beans. So listeners, what we're about to tell you is not only shocking, but disturbing. Yes, it is very disturbing. Very disturbing. Like, I still can't wrap my mind around the whole case of it all. Yeah. So Ronnie Paris Jr. wanted Bubba to grow up to be a real man because he believed his three-year-old son was gay. Mm-hmm. So prevent so to prevent him from being gay, he tried to teach his three-year-old boy what his own father had taught him how to take a punch i and i don't understand that i don't understand that at all like why are you teaching someone how to take a punch and what difference does it matter if they're gay like i feel like it's more important that they're healthy yeah they're alive yeah like those things are more important yeah he's three years old he's three years old he's not worried worried? about those things yes why are we worried about his sexuality at three years old three we should be worrying about his developmental stages at three years old and that's the problem is that it's the adults that are the ones that are sexualizing these children they're the ones that are doing these things to these kids like just stop it let these kids be kids yeah, no, no three-year-old is thinking about being gay. <laughs> they can't even conceptualize. No. This is like developmental stages, them getting to know their world and let them learn the world. Yeah. Let them learn the world. And if they end up being gay, who cares? Love them anyway. Love them anyway. Please. <laughs> yeah, love them anyway. So Nashira told Detective Ronnie had repeatedly abused Bubba by punching him in the back of the head, slamming him into walls, and forcing him to participate in father-son boxing matches until Bubba began to shake, cry, and wet himself. I could only imagine at three years old how terrified he must have been terrified absolutely terrified and what's infuriating about all of this is why didn't the mom stop the abuse or call the cops when it originally happened exactly i don't know if she was subject to domestic abuse i'm I'm not sure what was going on at that time but i can't help but think why didn't you stop it i don't know so 
in an article from the Herald Tribune, his caseworker noticed some problems in the beginning, but didn't think her findings were serious enough to notify authorities. That really infuriated me when I read that. (laughs) Only in Florida. In addition, Faye, his foster mom, visited Ronnie often and noticed bruises on his face, possibly burn marks on his forehead and vomiting. Faye reported her concerns to the caseworker who thought Faye was overreacting. Overreacting, y'all. Overreacting. So explain this to me. Like, how do you overreact? Possible burn marks, bruising on the face. When when this family already had history of abuse. This is not like a first time offense. You know what I mean? You know, there's a history of abuse. Like he was removed from them at five months old. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm someone. Um, Millie, you can agree with me or not, but I believe I'm someone that really believes in second chances and that people should get second chances. In this situation here. I think there should have been, I don't know, I just feel like there should have been like a much more, a different way in reintroducing this little, young, innocent boy back into that family. Mm-hmm. If he, if it was so serious enough that they had to remove him at five months. Five months. For, yeah, for two years. Yeah. For two years. Then there should have been like some type of I don't know, some type of plan that would have smoothly transitioned him into the home where there is like some type of visitation, home visitations or something. But then again, when you think about it, if the case manager was coming to the home frequently and she noticed stuff and she just didn't think it was serious enough to report it, then the system failed him. Absolutely completely and utterly like failed this little boy and he couldn't even he couldn't even speak for himself Mm -mm. couldn't defend himself at all couldn't defend himself like you're a monster for doing that like and you're a monster for allowing it to happen in the end both ronnie and nashira were charged ronnie was charged with Murder and aggravated child abuse, and Nashira was charged with child neglect and failing to get medical attention for her son. Mm-hmm. The trial began in July 2005. During the trial, get this, listeners, many witnesses corroborated Nashira's statement that was originally given to law enforcement. Nashira's sister stated he was trying to teach him how to fight because he was afraid the child might be gay. And my thing was, why didn't anyone purport it? It's ironic that they were at Bible study and he had heinously beat his son, like, repeatedly. Before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I 
it don't surprise me because normally, you know, it's religion. People who are super religious are the most violent towards the LGBTQ, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. When it's supposed to be more accepting yeah. and about love, it's it's religious organizations that are really more vicious and threatening. On July 14th, 2005, after a three-hour deliberation, a jury found Ronnie guilty of second-degree murder and aggravated child abuse, mm. not first-degree. I guess so he was he was charged for manslaughter because it wasn't premeditated and he didn't mean for he didn't mean to kill him. That's what I hate about like this whole manslaughter thing. Okay, so they couldn't prove. Yeah, they couldn't prove that it prove was that he mean to that he meant to, you know, kill him. But to beat the gay out of him? Yeah, to beat that's a not 3-year-old pre- like that. Yeah, that's not premeditated. I don't get it. Like I'm trying to conceptualize it. Like he had to hit him so hard that it he goes to sleep and not wake up. He was like hitting him brain's... like a grown man. Y- yeah. Mhm. You know, and kids are pretty resilient. They are. With yeah. accidents and stuff, but mm-hmm. This means that he was really pounding on him. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't taking into account his life. Right. It was negligent for real. They found him guilty. And um, in Rowling court, Ronnie apologized to his family for the grief he had caused. He begged the judge for mercy. Um, And then he stated, I never did anything to hurt my baby. He said, I'm scared for my life to go to prison. What? I miss my baby. I wish I could get him back. I tried to work hard as best as I could to be a father for my son. Man, shut up. The way the case is painted on, on you, Ronnie, it doesn't look good. No. It really doesn't look good. No, it does not. And it does look like you meant to hurt your baby. And it doesn't seem like you want him back. And it doesn't seem like you meant to be the best father that you wanted to be. Yeah. So on August 19th, 2005, Ronnie was sentenced to 30 years in prison. And 10 years probation. Nashira was sentenced to five years probation for culpable negligence in the death of her son. And the judge was lenient in sentencing because Ronnie was a first-time offender who needed help. The judge felt that he didn't need to spend his life in prison. His son would have been 22? Yeah. 22 years old. He would be in his 20s. Mm-hmm. He would be going to college, would be graduating. 
Yeah. I mean, just like his life just stolen. Yeah, it was taken very, very early before it began. Mm-hmm. You know what's sad is that, um, like a lot of these, um, you know, caseworkers and things, like they have so many cases yeah. on their on their plate, and mm-hmm. it's just so unsafe and unhealthy that you know a lot of these things like go missed or they can't like deep dive into some of these cases because if you have so much workload, I mean, and this is for all, you know, jobs and fields and things like that, where you just have so many clients or, or so many patients or so many, whatever, to where you can't, you can't spend the adequate amount of time that you need. I mean, if he was able to have a caseworker, and I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm speculating. But, you know, if his caseworker were able to spend more time on his particular case, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Actually, in the article, in one of the articles, her supervisor didn't think that she was being, she was trying to be negligent because she had developed such a strong rapport with the family and didn't feel like it was... Yeah, there might be, you know, bruising here, but that could be caused by, oh, he ran and fell. I don't know. Girl, I see your face. <laughs> like burn marks on the face. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I can't I can't even explain that. I Yeah. And sometimes and sometimes supervisors and things like that they will come out and they will say things like that so that they don't get in trouble or yeah. that a light is not like shown on on them yeah or you know whatever how did you feel about this case millie i mean it made me angry yeah it, it really made me angry it made me disappointed because he was failed in so many different ways yeah um you know i feel like more investigation should have happened he should have never gone back he was thriving. Yeah. He was thriving. I mean, if you have to take a child away from their parents at five months, I mean. Yeah, but, you know, the plan is never to, like, terminate parents' rights. It's normally to reunify and to educate and just to support the parents in making better decisions on how they treat their children. And I get that. But I, but, and I mean, again, we don't under, we don't know what the reunification process was, right? right. But you know, maybe it should have been like they have visits first. They probably and, did. Yeah, because it, it took them two years. It took them That's two years true. to get. Yeah. So they probably did like supervised visitations, and yeah. he probably did meet with them. Yeah. From time to time, they probably did that. They probably did counseling. They probably did parenting classes. It's just so, so sad. I just look at this sad. picture of this little boy, and it's just, I just don't understand why anybody would hurt him. He's just, yeah. he's just a jolly, happy little boy. And 
I don't understand why his parents would hurt him or allow him to be hurt. There's so many people out there that, you know, can't have kids or want kids and don't yeah. have them or, you know, whatever. You know, I, I don't have kids and I, I would definitely want them. And I just, I, you know, I just don't understand. I don't understand it. I don't get yeah. it. How did you feel about the story? It made me angry and, and sad because if you didn't believe as parents that you were not going to be able to protect him, why not let him stay in foster care? Yeah. What are we going to be talking about next week, Millie? Well, we're going to be talking about a story that happened in South Carolina where a transgender woman was murdered by some men. Oh. Yeah. Sad story. Not going to give you any more of it because you have to stay tuned for our episode. You know what I mean? Y'all can check us. Yep. Y'all can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at the Criminality Report Podcast. You can also uh, check us out on Facebook at the Criminality Report Podcast. <laughs> you can also <laughs> check us out at our website at www.thecriminalityreportpodcast.com. You can email us at criminalityreportpodcast at gmail.com y'all have any stories y'all want us to talk about what they gotta do lady lily you can hit us up and don't forget you can join our facebook discussion group at the crew on facebook the crew so where can they listen to our episodes lady lily You can rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Again, thank you so much for listening. And until next week, bye. Ciao, Bella. Bye. Bye, bye. You tell me why. Why was that necessary? It just was. It was really not necessary. Okay. It wasn't necessary. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) You're an idiot. Um, well, Ronio. (laughs) Ronio. Ronio, bro. It's gonna be that kind of nice. Oh gosh. Okay. Because I was like, oh shoot. So, Millie, what are we gonna talk about <laughs> next week? Space. But uh, let me say that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs>